Welcome again to Growing in Grace Together. I'm Joel Brzezinski, continuing a conversation with Andrew Farley, the author of The Naked Gospel. Last time we were talking, Andrew, about the uh, the words that Jesus spoke and how we we in the church, sometimes we don't understand them. And so we tend to water them down and not really take them literally. Uh, but I think what you were saying last time is that we do need to take them literally. And then we do we have a problem then because we find we can't do the stuff that Jesus told us to do. And so uh, we find out then that, all right, we can't. But we need to understand that apart from him, we can do nothing. So he was kind of elevating the law, uh, showing how the law really is something that a standard that we can't keep and hopefully bringing people to the point where they can say i can't do it and so there's there was this uh the difference and and where we try to understand what jesus was saying versus what you know paul was saying for example jesus says if you don't forgive others god won't forgive you but paul said forgive as you've been forgiven and so the difference there would be of course the cross of Jesus Christ. And so let's pick it up there uh, with uh, the two covenants. Uh, there's the cross of Christ that changed everything. Yeah. So how would you address the, uh, the, the all of that, the two covenants and the cross and everything like that? Well, you know, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, be perfect, sell everything, and compete. Compete with the Pharisees, and your righteousness must surpass theirs in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. These are Jesus' words. And so, as you said, you know, our choice is to do our best uh, or to water these words down. And that's precisely what I think a majority of us find ourselves doing, is watering down the words of Jesus. Instead of watering them down, instead of saying, oh, he didn't really mean it, I think what we need to do is put the cross at the center of our belief system, to look at these teachings in light of the cross, to to use the cross as our lens as we look at these teachings, and we have to ask ourselves one fundamental question. Were these teachings before or after Calvary? Were these teachings before or after the cross? And obviously the answer is Jesus was teaching these things to a Jewish audience Mm -hmm. before the cross. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because if I tell you your righteousness must surpass the Pharisees, you're going to immediately get busy, either get busy or give up, right? Now, the whole point of the cross is that we get righteousness as a gift, but that hasn't happened yet. When Jesus tells them their righteousness has to compete and win against the Pharisees, he hasn't given them the gift of righteousness yet. And so there's something to be revealed at a later date. And we have to put the cross at the center of our belief system when we look at the teachings of Jesus. Otherwise, they'll make no sense. You know, he even says it clearly himself. Jesus says, you have heard it taught. You have heard it said. Don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even look at a woman with lust. You have heard it said. Where? In the book of Moses. You have heard it said. Don't commit murder, but I tell you, don't even get angry. What is he doing? He's taking the standard of the law, the standard given by Moses, and he's raising that standard. It's Moses 2.0. It's the beta (laughs) trial version as you try to work out this new version of Moses that's even more difficult to grapple with. And you're going to find that as you try out this new trial version, there's a user error every single time. (laughs) 
the error is that you simply cannot cause this system to work for you. I mean, you, you find that there is a fault, not a fault with the system, but a fault with yourself. And that's what the law does every single time it points its bony finger at us and it shows us we can't. And that's precisely what Jesus was trying to communicate to those Jewish people. They can't. No one ever has, no one ever will, and you can't either. And so then the cross takes on new meaning. Then the resurrection takes on a brand new purpose in our minds. It gives us what we could never achieve. And so we can't live by the deadly words of Jesus. We can't live by the Lord's Prayer. Imagine... Imagine if we were to only be forgiven as we forgive others. Mm-hmm. Imagine if God only gave us the quantity and quality of forgiveness that we've been dishing out to other people. That's a prayer of death. It's a prayer that kills us. It's a prayer that condemns us as we discover, I need a greater forgiveness than I have ever given anyone else. And that's the purpose of Jesus in those teachings. I think we need to and stop watering them down and start recognizing the futility of the law and recognize our need for him, our need for a gift of righteousness. And Joel, I, I think, you know, in the Naked Gospel, I talk about this page after page and emphasize it because I really think the church is missing it. I call the Naked Gospel the truth you may never hear in church. I mean, I was in church for a decade and, and never really heard a single message. As an adult Christian in, in lots of churches, I never heard a single message on the New Covenant, what it means. For me, the New Covenant was the name of the church down the street. You know, New Covenant Bible Church, New Covenant Temple of God, New Covenant this, New Covenant that. It was just some catchphrase, some religious term that I'd never really grabbed a hold of. And it's, it's critical for Christians. This is what God wants every single child of God to know. And so I think you've done a really good job of, and, and I think that the church really does need to spend a lot of time in what in what we've just talked about here, in, in the fact that there was an old covenant, there is a standard, the law, Jesus came to do that, to, to raise the standard of the law, to, sh- to show the true standard of the law, and to not mince words and to and to and to take those words literally and so then we get we take all that and finally we come to the place where wow i can't do it and so we come to the cross we become born again by faith and so now there's this new life that we have in christ and it has nothing to do with this old life there is a new covenant there is a new life it's all based upon a different promise than the law had and the old covenant had been had been based upon, and it's all centered around as we said as you said in the last uh, program, Jesus plus nothing. And so, where do we go with this then? When we're now that we're now that we've come to a place, hopefully, where okay, we realize it's not about law. Hopefully people come to that place, and if they don't, then I, I don't think they can really move on to what we're going to talk about here, but. The life that we have in Christ and Christ's life that's in us, where do we go with all this? Yeah, well, I mean, imagine imagine you're standing at the edge of a pool and you're ready to jump in and, it, and, and it's a race. And you look down the, the line and there's swimmer after swimmer on your left and on your right and everyone's in this race together with you. Now, the difference is, is that you, by some miracle, have been inhabited by the spirit of an Olympic swimmer. 
Michael Phelps. I mean, literally, Michael Phelps, through some miraculous event, has been placed within you so that you possess the spirit of Michael Phelps. So you stand at the edge of the pool, and you're ready to jump in, and you have a choice. You can swim like you've always known swimming to be. You can swim with your habits, your patterns, your movements, your athleticism, or you can draw from this new miraculous source. You can swim from him and allow him to swim the way that he swims as an Olympic swimmer in and through you. Now, I give you that mental picture, that visual of being inhabited by the spirit of Michael Phelps, because that's precisely what the Bible is saying happens to Christians. We are inhabited by the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so as we stand at the edge of the pool of life and we're ready to dive in and run this race, swim this race we call life, we've got a choice. Will I draw from my own resources? Will I live life the way I've always known life to be lived? Or will I recognize I've got more than a ticket to heaven? I've got more than a final destination. I have a person, a real living person within me. He has character traits. He has qualities. Uh, he has habits and patterns to his personhood. He is a real living person. Spiritually speaking, he lives in me. Well, if that's all true, then I'm living a miracle. I mean, think about what we're saying, that literally beneath your flesh and blood, literally just beneath what you call humanity, there resides the person of Jesus. Now, if I really buy into that, I mean, that's going to change my daily experience. And we Christians, we already believe lots of crazy stuff. I mean, here's what we Christians believe. This is crazy. We believe that God spoke the world into existence. We believe that we were created out of dust. We believe that, uh, that God was in a, in a cloud and that Israel followed God in a cloud. We believe that a guy lived in a whale for three days. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and then get this, we think, we really believe that he floated up into heaven, up into the sky, amidst many onlookers. I mean, that is crazy, crazy stuff, mm -hmm. and yet we believe it. So why not believe one more crazy thing, and that is the God of the universe in Jesus Christ now resides, literally, actually lives in me. And that's life-changing. You talk mm -hmm. about the fruit of the Spirit, that's no good. The fruit of the Spirit is no good if it's simply written on a sheet of paper, and I wake up every day and try to add those qualities to my life. Well, mm -hmm. there are Muslims adding qualities to their lives. There are Hindus uh, adding qualities to their lives. There are certainly Mormons living by good qualities and adding qualities to their character. If the fruit of the Spirit is nothing more than words on a sheet of paper, then we find ourselves in imitation. And what right. the real thing is, real Christianity, is about living from him as he is a real person living within our humanity. So it's not it's not me standing on, uh, on the edge of the pool with Michael Phelps next to me, and I'm looking and watching what he's doing, and then I try to copy that, I try to imitate that. It's And it's not me looking over there at Christ going, well, what would Jesus do, uh, uh, and try to copy that, right? It's uh, What you're saying is that there's a whole lot more to it than that. It's, it's so much better than that. It's that he has actually become our life, and that it's the actions that we do are his actions in and through us. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the key word is union or united. I mean, Paul says that we've been united with him, united with him in his death, united with him in his burial, and united with him in his resurrection, and now we're seated with him in heaven. He's in us, and we're in him, and uh, it's, it's much greater than an imitation. I mean, that's what every other religion on the planet offers. You look back to a historical teacher, and you try to do what they did. Well, I mean, that is essentially religion at its core, an imitation of another individual. What we're saying is something different. In the Naked Gospel, I'm talking about the miraculous regeneration, the miraculous transformation at the core of our being, where Jesus Christ literally lives in us and through us, and it's very, very different than simply looking back on a historical teacher and doing our best to be like him, talk like him. I mean, we ask, what would Jesus do? Well, first, Jesus would walk on water, and second, he would feed 5,000, and third, he would raise people from the dead. That's what he would do. And so when you find yourself simply trying to imitate the Jesus of the Gospels, you're going to come up short. Instead of asking, what would Jesus do? I need to be asking, what is Jesus doing in and Mm -hmm. through me today, through my personality, in my lifestyle, in my family, in my workplace, as I wake up and live life? And in the Naked Gospel, I talk about how that can be a reality. Right, and that's all. It's the reality of that life, the life of Christ that's in us, is is what I think that so many people do miss out on. Well, Andrew, I've got you know, there's a couple more things at least that I'd like to talk with you about. Uh, we'll wrap this one up, but uh, the whole idea of sin and and when Christians sin and what causes that, and as well as the whole idea of asking for forgiveness. Do we need to ask for forgiveness? So if you'll stay with me for one more program, I'd love to get into that with you, if if that's all right with you, Andrew. Sure, that sounds great. I I do want to let your listeners know as we finish out that they can uh, go to thenakedgospel.com. They can take the Naked Gospel quiz there, a 10-item true-false quiz at thenakedgospel.com, and find out a whole lot more about the book. And uh, again, Joel, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, Andrew, and we'll see you again in the next program. 